Are you ready to build a business with consistent income and have time left to spend with your family? In Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, you will learn the strategies to create exactly what you want in your business and in your life. Now, here's your host, Kathleen Reeson. Welcome to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and I tell you every week that we have an amazing episode planned for you, and it's because I truly mean it. And so I get to give you a little bit of backstory on this week's episode. Okay, so I have a friend. She lives in, in North Carolina, and she's been saying to me since February 2nd of 2019, okay, so think about that. That's roughly a year and a half. She says to me, February 2nd, she says, I see you involved in some kind of work overseas. It's, it's like it's in the micro loan space. And I'm saying, okay, like, I, I, know, I have no context for it at all. She says, just be patient, it'll appear. And I said, okay, all right, fine. And so I'm talking to my friend a few nights ago. And she says to me, do you remember on February 2nd, 2019, when we were talking? And I said, yes, yes, I do. Because I wrote that note down and I put it on a post-it note up above my, where I look every day. And she says, well, well, what's come up? And I said, no, nothing yet. Nothing's really shown up. And she says, I, I think it has to do something with sewing machines. I'm like, okay, sounds good. And she says, it's, it's going to appear. And I thought, well, all right. And I was patient. And so then the next day, I'm talking with another friend of mine. And I say to her, hey, I was talking with Janice last night. And Janice was telling me about this this conversation that we had a year and a half ago, reminding me, and she's talking about sewing machines. And I hear it, my friend, she's in Canada that, was, that, was, that I was talking to. She says, oh my gosh, and she's lit up. And I'm thinking, what just happened? And she says, there's a lady in Des Moines, which is the town that I live in, there's a lady in Des Moines that's working overseas and has to, she's teaching people about how to, how to sew. And I'm thinking, no way. Here's a lady in North Carolina who's telling me to work, um, do something with somebody overseas. And then my friend who's in Canada is saying, hey, I'll make this connection. And yet the person is in my town. I mean, how crazy is that? So, of course, I connected with Brenna and I heard her story and I was so blown away. I invited her to be on the show today. So that is what we've got planned. Brenda Miller, she is on the show. She's on the line with us right now. And she had an idea. She saw a challenge, and then she created from it. And so I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to pause. So, Brenda, are you on? I am. Good morning. Awesome. Good morning. I'm so excited for you to be here. So I'm actually, I want you to share this story because I want you to share, like, why, this is, why am I so lit up about this? So, so will you share with the audience what you're up to? Sure. Um, back in 2016, there was two other people in my South that had a vision to uh, empower, encourage, and educate the women in Ghana. And so, and how that came about is kind of wild, but fast or backtrack to um, 2011, I was sitting at a soccer game, just minding my own business and overheard somebody talk about, they were looking for a host family for a a uh, 13-year-old kid that wanted to come over to the United States to play basketball and go to high school, and he was from Ghana. And I have no idea why, but that totally resonated with me, and my heart just lit up. And again, not on my radar in general, and all of a sudden, I was all lit up about it. So to make a long story short, I talked to my husband. We 
prayed about it, and all we decided we wanted to do that. So we connected with this young man in Ghana, went through all the paperwork. It took about maybe a year, and bottom line is his visa was denied. So to come to the United States. So he never got to come to the United States. But by this point, he was already part of our family. Um, he called me mom, and we were visiting and uh, online chatting that t- and phone calls every day. So I was just like, why did I put myself out there to do this, and why did it not happen? But we continued with our relationship. So since he couldn't come here, I decided, well, I'm going to go there. So I And then in a weird way, I ran across a woman who contacted me on Facebook and said, I think we're supposed to meet. Your name keeps coming up. So her and I met for coffee. Ends up that she was also trying to get another kid from Ghana to come over to the United States, and his visa was denied. And this woman and I, I mean, this is just how this all strange, small world it is, we live five miles apart in Des Moines, didn't know about each other. We're both trying to get um, kids from Ghana to come over here to go to high school. So anyway, since she, so she was going to travel to Ghana, and since I had not met this young man that we had a relationship with, his name was David Pinto, I decided to go to Ghana. So I went to Ghana, and when I was there, felt all just my heart was all aflame for the people there and particularly the women there. And so we decided that we wanted to somehow empower the women over there. And Ruth, the other gal that I um, traveled over there with, and I and another um, gentleman, Jordan, met in a coffee shop. That was now in 2016. And the whole idea of um, raising money for the women of Ghana was given birth. So we held an auction, and the auction raised $70,000 in one night, which was a complete shocker and wonderful. And we had enough money to actually build a women's center and turn it into a school. So so the, um, um, the whole thing about why... David couldn't come over to the United States, ended up being, the reason being was, I think, because I was supposed to go to Ghana, and then hence this Women's Center was created. So everything does have a reason. Yeah, okay, so this is a perfect example of really surrendering and and not knowing what coming next, but, but truly just being in that space of, I don't know what it is, but it's coming. So you see a need. Exactly. I, I hear you guys see a need. You decide to create this center. You raise the funds. So now you have $70,000. And then what's next? Uh, well, then we had to be in communication with people in God to help us build the center, uh, you know, to do the construction of it and that. And it was crazy. That center went up um, really fast. It started in October and was done in um, December of 2016. And it is a... Um, six classroom building and um it has a uh, community center or i'm sorry a community room a kitchen a bedroom for uh a dorm room for the uh students a bedroom for the instructor instructors uh, a bathroom and a classroom and so then we also had to go over there and so then ruth and i went over there and interviewed students to first we interviewed uh instructors 
to, to so teach the class I'm gonna, sewing. I'm going to pause you for just a second because I want to I want to really focus on. I imagine that the process of getting set up for the school there were a lot of roadblocks there. Am I am I just imagining that, or what was that like? You mean the building part of it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what? That went smoother than I thought and faster than I thought, too. Um, we wondered at first if there was going to be a problem with the men in the community because uh, there's, uh, oh, there's a, you know, male hierarchy there. And we were worried that maybe that wouldn't be something that they would embrace to have a women's center there. But no, they were, and this is in a village. This is in a, in a small little village. And they were all about it. They, number one, it provided um, jobs for the men in the community to, to work to build the center. And it also um, was a, oh, kind of a feather in your cap to have a, uh, this women's center being built on their, um, on their property. So, yeah. So they were excited about that. They were. They were. And we had, okay. um, yeah, go ahead. No, I did, I'm just, I'm curious on, did you run into any other challenges, like the legalities of people in the U.S. wanting to build this center here? What did the government think of it? Uh, there, there was no problem there. You mean, I mean, the government in Ghana or the government here? Uh, Ghana. No, there was no problem with that, none whatsoever. And we had people, connections over there that knew how to, um, you know, go through the process of getting the permits and all that kind of thing. There was, and we were also on the same land as um, there was another nonprofit here in um, Iowa called Acts 2 Collective, and they built a school and, a, and an orphanage over there. And it was on the same, it ended up being on the same property as them. So it's kind of cool we have this little little campus there and we have our school on one end of it and then they have their orphanage and their they have an actual school school um ours is a trade school specifically for women two-year program 20 women at a time and so we're all all on the same campus so i hear this perseverance you guys decide you're going to open this you raise the money you enroll people in the community to support you and now you've got the school built up uh huh. Okay, so now let's talk about. The... Yeah, that part. How do we find the people? Yeah, we. Yeah, so then we. Um, and it's just word of mouth over there. You know, they just they start spreading the word that there's this <clears throat> program going to be put in place in this women's center for um, women to learn how to sew, and it just goes out to <clears throat> our the village that we were in and some of the surrounding village. So we had probably a hundred women show up that we were going to interview. And when I say interview, um, you know, it's not your typical interview like we do here in the United States that is like, you know, what is your five-year goal? It was more um, just trying to get to know them. And they would sh- they showed up with babies on their, you know, on their back. And, and some of them were, you know, 15 years old. Some of them are 25 years old. A um, lot of different, a lot of different uh types of women showing up. And some did not speak English, so we had to have a translator as well. So we relied mainly on our gut feeling on whether somebody was really wanting to improve their life and whether they, you know, the type of people that could, um, you know, put go, go all in with this and stick to it. And so 
that was a, just a lot of praying more than anything over who we picked. And then we ended up picking uh, 20. So you have 100 women that are were, interested. Uh-huh. You, you, so you picked 20 of them. And then how did you pick? How do you pick 20? How do you pick the 20 that gets them forward? Well, um, again, we interviewed each of them. And, again, when I say interview, I, I say that loosely. But we would – it was uh, myself and Ruth and then um, two Ghanaian people that interviewed with us. That we had one was the instructor and one was another um, woman in the community. And after each interview, we would rate them on a score of one to five. Just we'd all come to an agreement. Like that was a three, that was a five, whatever. And then when we were all done, and after a hundred, it all just blends together. You can't remember who's who. We just went back and picked all the fives and all the fours, and then we still needed a few more, so we went through the threes and just you know kind of read through our notes and picked. Um, a few of the three, two and a half or 20 people. Okay. And more and than 20 women. Go ahead. And most of these women did not have any, I mean, almost all of them had zero experience in sewing. They just wanted to better their lives, learn something, uh, provide for their families, that type of thing. So it was really scary kind of to start out thinking these women don't even know how to thread a needle or anything. What do you call it? What do you call the program? The name, uh, the name of the center and the program is Nyamido, and that's spelled N-Y-A-M-E, and then Do is um, D-O. And we picked that name because it means God's love. And it's very hard to pronounce. So we struggle with that sometimes here in the U.S. for other people. But we love the name because in Twi, which is the native language of the village of, of Asakuma, where we're at, uh, Namido means God's love. Oh, that that's just it hits home and and so what I hear is you created a sewing school. So at our basis, our mechanism, you created a sewing school. But what I really hear is that you created in a women's empowerment program. Absolutely, through the through the um, so it's a two year program, and um, through that two years, you know these women learned how to sew, and I can um, tell you a little bit later about how they um, how it ended up at the end, how, how well they were sewing. But, um, but through that, not just the sewing, when we interviewed these people, they were so shy, so quiet, so kind of just almost sad. And when they graduated, they had, they had, they were transformed in terms of their inner, um, uh, their inner image of themselves, their confidence, their desire, their it, it, it was incredible. And we have like before and after pictures, like when they started and when they ended. And even just seeing those pictures and the their face light up and everything, it was it was so so meaningful and so awesome. Wow. Okay. So I want to hear more details about that first because you're you finished your first two year program. So we're gonna go on a quick break and when we get back, let's talk about that. What actually occurred in those two years. So everybody that's listening, you're listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and we are talking with Brenda Miller and all about the International Women's Empowerment Program she created with her friends in Ghana. So we'll be right back just after this break. Building a business is a lot like baking a cake. There are certain ingredients that can't be missed. By listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, you will learn the five key steps that every great business utilizes. 
You will hear from successful entrepreneurs that will share what works and what doesn't work in their businesses. You will have an opportunity to ask questions so you can apply these steps directly to your business. Host and business coach Kathleen Reeson built seven successful businesses while raising three boys, volunteering extensively, and having some time left for her husband and herself. Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, and she will show you how you can build the business and the life you dream of, too. Are you ready? Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson Radio Show every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. To participate in the program, call in the U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and we are here with my friend, Brenda Miller. And Brenda has an incredible story she's been sharing with us about how she, how she had an experience where she wasn't able to create the results that she wanted. She wasn't able to bring David over from Ghana to go to school here in Iowa. So she went there and in the process went with a friend and ended up opening this incredible school. And so Brenda, I'm inspired by your story. And I want to know the first two-year program. Tell me more about it. How did it go? Oh, thanks, uh, Kathleen. It went um, it went really well. Uh, however, it was our first year, and we were kind of, um, you know, doing it by the seat of our pants. And so we learned a ton. And I think every year, every class that we have, we're going to just get better and better. Um, but given that we started this and kind of went in just, you know, eyes wide open, uh, it ended up being extremely successful. We had um, – like I said, it's a two-year program, 20 women at a time. <clears throat> they would go to – some of them would live there. Some of them would live out. And um, their school day was from 8 to 2.30, and they would learn the sewing. But we also did uh, classes in literacy a little bit to teach them better English, and we did a few business classes as well. Um, and we also have spirituality uh, ingrained in there, too, they um uh, start and end their day with prayer and they would do Bible studies on the weekend and that sort of thing. Um, so uh, it's, you know, and we had, we had some tr uh, challenges with, Oh, a couple girls got pregnant and a couple girls, you know, dropped out. Um, we, we had, you know, some girls snuck out or whatever. I mean, there was just different things that were happening. And again, we're doing, we're doing the managing of that all from 6,000 miles away here in, in, in Iowa and trying to, uh, learn, you know, what is the best way to handle things with Ghanaian people and how do we, um, 
how do we uh, approach things. And also same with money. You know, we had budget and, uh, you know, budget set out and everything. But there was always something that broke or a new item they needed for the classroom or a sewing machine that broke down or something like that. So, and again, the fundraising for this and the, the money for this comes all from Ruth and myself doing fundraising ourselves. It's, you know, we don't have any other money coming in other than what her and I fundraise. And so, you know, we watch every little penny that goes over there and still we're able to have a successful class and graduate the women. Okay. So sounds like you have lots of hurdles that you get to go through over this period. How many, so 20 started, how many completed? 16. And that was about to be expected because the, you know, it's a, it's kind of a big deal in Ghana to stay with something that, that, that mentality there is, is kind of hard. And so we were pleased with the fact that we got 16 this time. Now we're starting with, uh, you know, again, we learned some things. One of the things that we did in this initial program, <clears throat> we did take mothers with small babies and we did take uh, a lot of married women and some of that presented some problems. And so this time, the second class, we did not take anybody with a child under the age of two. So that those kind of things will help our uh the women stay in school and have a little bit higher graduation rate probably. So tell me the the women that are in this, so now knowing that you picked them under two, are they staying there the entire time? Do they go home on the weekends? What does that look like? Yeah. The uh they have the option to be either live in or live out, meaning they can go home and live at home and come back every day for the school day, eight to two thirty, or they can live in. And that was the other thing we found uh, the people that we ended up that ended up dropping out were people that were live outs. So this time we took um, almost all. I think we might have one live out, but we took almost all live ins. So we have um, the women live there. They have a place to stay. They get three meals a day. They have class on during the week, and then on the weekends they, you know, do they have free time in that. But they also do some cleaning, and they 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 have a garden there that they got that they planted and that they tend to uh so they keep very busy but we do have had greater success with those that live in i think they have more skin in the game and a little more um focused if they're not going back out back home and coming back okay so so similar to a college experience uh that that we might have here but they get that 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 experience there so th so what about this first class of the 16 that completed what did those 16 then go on to to create Yes. So um, after they graduated, they got set up in attachments, which are kind of like internships, and they would work under a, they call them a, a madame, who is, has her own, you know, sewing place, and then they would, they go there and work under here, her, and then launch out from there to either start their own business or continue to work for the woman that, um, that they're under. And I think one of the things that we learned about this, or one of the things we're going to change, is we are now in um, consideration and discussion about making this a three-year program and having that attachment or that internship be done on vacation time and break so that when they graduate, they will be more equipped to start their own business or um, 
you know, go out and work for money right away because we found that with where we were at before, they still had to do this attachment. And, um, and, and it's fine that way, but we kind of wanted it to be a little faster once they graduated to get out to making their own money. So that is why we, one of the reasons we're considering making the program a three-year program. The okay. first class gra- graduated in May of 2019. The second class just started uh, at the end of last year, <clears throat> and then we got stopped, uh, and they all went home because of COVID. So they just went back to class here this month uh, since COVID. So the first class really kind of got started, then didn't, you know, then it all shut down, and then now they're just ramping up. So our first class is really just still starting. Yeah, so I hear what you're saying is making these adjustments based on the experiences that you're creating or seeing that, that okay, well, if, the, if we gave them just a little bit longer in the classroom, they could be ready for entrepreneurship or for that income creation right away out of the gate. Yes, if they did their attachment during um, during the three years that they're in our program. Yeah. So what's so beautiful about this? I love this story. And and what I love is how, well, lots of different pieces, but how you took this idea and you really focused on the intention of the idea, knowing that it's okay if it doesn't look exactly as you were thinking. And I see this path that you guys have taken. And now you're in the space of maybe it's three years and maybe this gets to change and this gets to change and totally unattached because you guys all know what you're creating. So the, the mechanisms, the details of it, those can shift. And so I acknowledge you for being willing to go there. Absolutely. We, you know, the, the sewing is the, is the tool or the, the base of it. But our main thing is to empower these women and, and teach them sewing along the way. And so whatever it takes to make this the most successful, we are completely wide open to whatever, whatever that looks like. And, and because of that, we are, you know, we are shifting and changing as we go and learning so much learning. Yeah. This, I mean, this is a leadership program disguised as a sewing school. How beautiful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the other thing that we did as go ahead. No, no, finish that thought. Well, I was just going to say as part of that empowerment piece, what I did is once we had our women selected, I um, matched each of them up with somebody here in, um, Iowa and as a prayer partner and that prayer partner prayed for them every day and wrote them letters and then we'd get the letters over there and then they would write letters back and so this beautiful connection um, evolved between each woman and their one person here in Iowa and it was the coolest thing because the letters that were being written to them were very empowering very complimentary very encouraging these these are things that women probably had never experienced in their life before. And that relationship was one of the most beautiful things that came out of this that I saw. <clears throat> and then um, then when the second class started, I picked 20 more um, uh, prayer partners. So now I have a whole other batch of prayer partners that are um, doing the same thing for these girls. And it, it's just fabulous it, it, to see that connection and how much care the people here have for their individual girl is very nice and very, very uplifting. So let, 
there's a piece that you shared with me, but I want to make sure that the audience hears it too. These these prayer partners, at the end of that first year, you were sharing me about the gifts they gave. They've been giving gifts for the last two years of love and prayer. There was something tangible. Can you go into that? Absolutely. So as they neared their uh, graduation time, we knew that each of these girls, in order to launch out into uh, the community and be able to sew, they would need a sewing machine. And so the prayer partners got together and decided that they wanted to buy each of their girls a, uh, um, a sewing machine. And then so each girl that graduated at graduation, which that the graduation itself was just mind blowing. But anyway, at graduation, then they each were presented with a sewing machine and a starter kit. Uh, and these were from their prayer partners. Mm. And that's so beautiful because what a nice token uh, to to us. Tell me about the cost of these. I mean, these are not the electric ones that you and I would plug into a wall. It's not like my sewing machine. These are these are the pedal ones, right? Yeah, these are the pedal ones because a lot of them will set up shop. Well, either they'll they'll sew in their homes, which are kind of huts, sort of, um, and or they will set up a shop somewhere, you know, like a little kiosk as we think of it. But again, it'll be alongside the road or somewhere where there's not electricity. So they have to have the pedal, sh- the pedal sewing machines. And those sewing machines cost, gosh, it was under $200. Might have been 180 or 190 or something like that. And so the gift, that small, you know, gift to us is a huge gift to them. That is right there, that small gift to us, something that we say like $200 where, yes, that's all, it's not... I, it's money. It's a lot of money, but it goes so far for these women. That could be the difference between them truly creating something huge in their life and something for me where I may say, okay, $200, it's not going to change my life, but it might change theirs. Absolutely. That's cool. Absolutely. Oh, okay. I love that. So Brenda, I want to, we're going to go on a quick break here. And when we get back, what I want to talk through is, I get that you you created this, but what I love about this is that it's not like it's not like you have fifty nonprofits that you've created in your life. So I want to talk about why you, okay, why you. When we get back from this break, so everybody, you're listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and we are talking with guest Brenda Miller today. So go on this quick break, and we'll be back in just a minute. Building a business is a lot like baking a cake. There are certain ingredients that can't be missed. By listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Neeson, you will learn the five key steps that every great business utilizes. You will hear from successful entrepreneurs that will share what works and what doesn't work in their businesses. You will have an opportunity to ask questions so you can apply these steps directly to your business. Host and business coach Kathleen Reeson built seven successful businesses while raising three boys, volunteering extensively, and having some time left for her husband and herself. Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, and she will show you how you can build the business and the life you dream of, too. Are you ready? Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson Radio Show every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. To participate in the program, Call in the U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. Now, back to the program. 
Welcome back to Prop Launch with Kathleen Reeson. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and we're here on Inspired Choices Network. And we're here with guest Brenda Miller. And we have been talking all about the nonprofit that Brenda started, which is, is really, really a women's empowerment program disguised as a sewing school. And so throughout the show, we've been talking about how she enrolled people around her uh, and, and they worked together to really create this school. And so, Brenda, what I want to know is, why you? Why, what, what in you said, I can do this? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I think that I was very open to finding something in my life to make a difference. I didn't know what that was at all. Um, and at the time that I was kind of thinking about, you know, what can I do? How can I make a difference? I was also reading a a book, it was called uh, Pathway for Purpose for Women. And there was a line in there that had something to do with um, God having a vision for everyone and that when the timing is perfect, that he will reveal it. Um, and it talked about it, that being a vi- the, <clears throat> the vision that God has for us is a awareness of how he wants to use us in a bold way to accomplish his purpose. Um, and I remember reading that thinking, you know, wow, what is that? And and again, at the time, that's when this um, opportunity about uh, David Pinto coming over to live with us and to go to school in America for his high school years, I thought that's what the vision was. And and I was open to that. And so then, and again, I think it just, it was the the openness to it. And the, then when it fell through, it was very disheartening, and I was really kind of mad about it, like, okay, what was that? I thought that was my purpose. And so, and I think it just all, everything got put in the right place. And then Ruth, who I met up with and who I went to Ghana with and who um, is part of the uh, nonprofit with me, she had always had an idea um, to do a, some sort of women's center or something in another, another country. She had traveled, I think, to Tanzania or somewhere when she was young and saw something similar to a women's center and thought, oh, I want to do that someday. So then when we got back and talked about, you know, empowering women in Ghana, she, you know, brought that to the forefront. And I was kind of lukewarm about it. I just didn't know if we could actually raise the money or not. And then, I don't know, then again, it just all of a sudden flamed in my heart. And Ruth originally was like, well, let's just do like an auction in our in her basement and raise a little bit of money. And then I was, I had done auctions before and I was like, you know what, this is either, you know, uh, uh, you know, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And so I'm like, I'm going all in and we're going to do it big. And so then we ended up, I spent maybe six months and that's all I did was plan this auction. And, and it just all happened. I mean, it really just all happened. And so I don't know, you know, when you say why you, I don't know. I, I think God just had a plan, and I think it was orchestrated perfectly, and I think I took what was put in front of me and did something with it. And sometimes I just yeah. look back and go, wow, how did this happen? How did, you know, how do is there a women's center on the other side of the world because of, you know, Ruth and I's paths crossing? Yeah, and you guys saying yes, continually saying exactly. yes. So tell me about a lot of people that I talk to say, oh, I'd love to create nonprofits or businesses or whatever it is, but I don't have the time. 
Tell me about the time commitment of this for you. Uh, it is, it can be as much or as little as I want it to be, but I'm in, I'm in communication with the people in Ghana every day. And depending upon what we have going on there, you know, I might spend 10 hours a week working on something with it. So it is, and I don't have a full-time job, so it is easy for me to do it. But I suppose even people with a full-time job could do something like this in their off hours as well. Sure. So, so it's really a manageable space. I mean, it's just it's a it's a volunteer. Yeah. Do you what do you call it? Do you call it your volunteer space, or is this a job for you? What is it? Um, I call it my job. I call it one of my jobs, I guess. Yeah. So let's talk and, about it, your other job. Really a job. A, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's expand that. It's not really a job. Expand on that thought. Well, it's it, because of the uh, beauty that is in it. And because of the growth that I get to see and that and and the love and all that, it doesn't it doesn't feel like a job. It doesn't feel like your normal job. It just feels like I'm in relationship with these women in Ghana and because of a lot of people that are involved, their life is is blossoming and changing and and they're learning a trade that's gonna help them in the future. Uh that's that is beautiful. I, and what I what I know about our lives and our hearts is when we're in joy, everyone else gets to be in joy. When we're connected, everyone else gets to be connected. When we're thriving, everyone else gets to be thriving. That that, mm-hmm. that mirroring concept. And what I hear you saying is, this lights you up. Absolutely, absolutely. And but because it lights them up, I mean that's what I just heard a um, at church this weekend. There was a let's see, I think I wrote it down. They had a the priest gave a quote that said do not give to sustain give to excite the receiver and isn't that the truth you know like the joy that i see on these women's face is the is the bonus the gift the payoff or whatever for me yeah that and that is more valuable than any sort of money that is yes, the, when the we were there of- Go ahead. When we when we visited there, one of our, the times we were there, we did a, a spa day for the girls, and we did face masks, and we did foot rubs, and um, uh, you know all kinds of like pampering for them. And it was outside, and it was hot, and everything. But Ruth and I rubbed their feet and scrubbed their feet and uh, put face masks on and everything, and they had never experienced anything like that. And I that day will always be cemented in my brain as far as a day where there was so much joy uh, being spread. And th- and those kind of things. And again, the, the sewing is awesome. And it's, you know, the, the focus of, of our of our program. But when you can do things like, uh, you know, rub someone's feet and and love on them like that when they've never been loved on like that, it's a pretty special thing. I envision you getting on the, you're going to the airport with a bag full of just stuff to give, <laughs> like foot scrubs and all that stuff. Is that what it looks okay. like? Well, oh my gosh. When we go to Ghana, we each take um, four big bags of stuff that were taken there. Usually three big bags of stuff were taken there and then one small bag with our, um, with our own personal, you know, clothes and toiletries in it. 
And so we are quite the sight when we go. And if there's four of us going, I went in May for the graduation and uh, Ruth and I went and my son Garrett and his fiance Breezy went with us. And so each of us had three big, huge suitcases. And then um, we all had, you know, our one, our one with our own stuff in it. So it's quite the sight. And we bring, you know, like you said, that sort of stuff. We might bring toiletries for them. We might bring, um, uh, Oh, like, like snacks for the kids when you're out in the village and stuff, you pass out packs or toys or something like that. We bring old, you know, clothes that we have that maybe they could use there. We bring sewing stuff. We bring sheets. Uh, and that's another thing that is so cool that we discovered. When they first started the, the first program, they were just learning to sew. So they were learning little patterns and stuff. But material is expensive. And and to have to be practicing on material is kind of uh, crazy because it, that adds up really fast. And then they started practicing on brown paper. It's a certain kind of paper they have over there, but it's almost like, you know, grocery sack paper. But that's kind of hard to practice on, too, because it doesn't lay right and it, it isn't as uh, flexible as fabric is. So then we decided to do, use old bed sheets. So we collected old bed sheets from everybody we knew. And then that's what, I mean, usually about two or three of our suitcases have just bed sheets in them. And then you, I, I wish we could do a visual right now because I would show you the most gorgeous dresses that these women have created out of bed sheets. Beautiful. Just absolutely beautiful. Wow. This, I, I'm blown away. And And so do you ever... Do you ever bring the goods, any of the goods that they've created back here so that people here can experience them and purchase them and put them back in, reinvest back into the school? Yes, absolutely. Um, one of the ways we fundraise is we sell Ghana bags. And I have a Facebook page and soon a website. It's called You Ghana Love These Bags. And we sell yeah. the Ghana bags and the money. Yeah, that's cute. Uh, the money goes back to the uh, to the women's center. So in the beginning, the women don't know how to, you know, they're just learning to sew. So we get our bags from a lady at the market and sell them sell them here, and then the money goes back into the women's center. But now that they've learned to sew, we've been starting to get aprons and some makeup bags and some of the other basic um, bag items from women that have uh, graduated. That's so. Say that name again of the Facebook so everybody can go there. What's the name of it? You Ghana love these bags, and Ghana <laughs> is spelled G H A N A. So. Oh, I love that. I'm gonna go check that yeah. out. And so with yeah, COVID, go ahead. No, that's it. Go ahead. We, are they back in right now? They they actually they got back in, but then they have they have to go by the the the. I suppose the country or the government's um, breaks, you know, that they have, like, it's not a spring break, but it's a fall break or whatever. So they came back for like two weeks and then they went on fall break. So they're coming back August 2nd or, or I'm sorry, October 2nd or something like that. They've been off for a couple of weeks now. So we haven't quite since COVID got, got back into it too much. Yeah. So, so it's been a little interesting year and, and I hear that you're flowing with it, that these women, like they really, they really get to create something exciting for themselves and, and tap into their confidence and really their power. Absolutely, yes. Hmm. Okay, so so 
so far, what I've heard you say is you had a vision, you had a partner that you found that had a similar vision, and that was not the vision that you ended up creating, but it was the vision of really of uh, sharing in a partnership with somebody in Ghana, which didn't end up being David, but it ended up in this right. other space. And then you went out right. and created it, and you said yes to that, and then you built a space, and then the people came, and then you actually taught them. So you enrolled instructors and students, and then they threw the experience, and 16 were committed, and then they went out and got jobs and created these beautiful experiences for themselves and their families, and then they passed it on, and now there's another generation going through it. Like, exactly. Wow, and let's just celebrate this for a minute, that most people have dreams and purpose and never actually find it. And then there's the people that find it and say yes, and they step into it, but they don't actually uh, do anything with it, right? They just, they know it's there. And then there's you who saw it, committed to it, and made it happen. Well, I give that, that to, I give all that I give all that to God because He put it all in front of me and and you know put everything in place to be able to do it. So yeah, you well and yes, so awesome. We we get to be in that celebration moment, and we're going to go on a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about what's next. So what do we get to create next? Okay, you guys are listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. And I'm Kathleen Reeson. We're on Inspired Choices Network, and we're talking with host Brenda, or guest Brenda Miller, and we'll be back just after this break. Building a business is a lot like baking a cake. There are certain ingredients that can't be missed. By listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, you will learn the five key steps that every great business utilizes. You will hear from successful entrepreneurs that will share what works and what doesn't work in their businesses. You will have an opportunity to ask questions so you can apply these steps directly to your business. Host and business coach Kathleen Reeson built seven successful businesses while raising three boys, volunteering extensively, and having some time left for her husband and herself. Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson, and she will show you how you can build a business and the life you dream of, too. Are you ready? Listen to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson Radio Show every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. To participate in the program, call in the U.S. 815-880-8255, Canada 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reeson. I'm your host, Kathleen Reeson, and we're on Inspired Choices Network, and we have been talking with our guest, Brenda Miller. We're talking all about the nonprofit that she created. And so, Brenda, my question for you, what's next? When you look out into the future of what you're creating, what's next? Well, we're trying to get the two-year program to a, we're considering doing it, a, a, making it a three-year program. So there's a lot of hoops we got to jump through to get that to happen, and um, there's financial uh, uh, commitments involved with that too. So we'll have to continue, continue to raise money and try to figure out how to raise money with with COVID going on, because 
we normally do a lot of in-person presentations and that sort of thing, and that is not happening, has not happened since COVID started. So what what kind of donations are you looking for? Are you looking for large or small, or more micro donations? What's the average donation? Oh, I'm looking for large donations. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we get everything. I mean, we get $10 donations and we get $2,000 donations. So every little bit helps. And we, with this new program that we're setting up, we are going to put out a, oh, kind of a breakdown of some of the things that it costs some of the things that cost and what we're looking for so that people, because people generally like to know that their money is going to a specific thing. So if we need to add more sewing machines or we need to add um, more, we do need to add more teachers, you know, so we need to pay their salaries and that. I think people like to know that, oh, I can give, you know, $500 and that's going to pay for an English instructor to come in there uh, twice, you know, twice a week for three months or something like that. So what does it cost for, to, to educate one student through the two years? What's the average cost of that? It's about, I think, $1,500 was the last figure we had. So if somebody wanted you... to sponsor one of the girls, they could sponsor yeah. them for $1,500. Yeah. And that just seems, I know you've told me that and... our money goes so much further there, mm-hmm. but to hear that for fifteen hundred, I mean, think about the tuition that we pay here mm-hmm. at state school in the United States for one semester. We're not yeah, even we're that, not talking that, anywhere close to that, right? And that includes their um, the the food that, that that we provide for them, and you know, there's electricity involved and all that too. So that's uh, included in that. They're living expenses as well. That's. Food, board, ribbon board, and education for $1,500 for two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. I mean, the economics of that just blow my mind. It's such an interesting shift from where we're running here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if somebody is called right now to reach out and support this program, how do they get a hold of you? They can go to our website and leave a message. They can call me personally at 515-681-2924. They can find me on Facebook, um, or they can, uh, what did I say? So I said the website, my phone number, or they can email me at uh, Ryman Miller, R-E-I-M-A-N-M-I-L-L-E-R, at gmail.com. Okay. And, you know, here's something funny. The last week, our show, uh, we had Darren Ross on the show, and he created this incredible experience out in L.A. It's called the Magic Castle Hotel. And at the very end, I said, how do people get a hold of you? And he says, well, they just call me on my cell phone. And he gave the cell phone. I said, you're the first of all the interviews I've ever done in my life. You're the first (laughs) one who's ever given your cell phone number on the radio. And then, of course, a week later, you do, too. I love this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because we, we crave, yes, we crave connection. Why not? Okay, so fifteen hundred dollars to sponsor a a girl for two years. I'm blown away, and we get to sponsor these women. Like this is incredible that this gets to happen. All right, I am so pumped for what you are up to and uh, what you guys have created, and I acknowledge you for that. I really, I, from the bottom of my heart. Uh, Thank you for being on here today and sharing everything that you're up to. 
Oh, my gosh, it's my favorite, favorite thing in the whole world to talk about. So you do not have to thank me for being on here because I, uh, I love it. I love talking about it, and I appreciate this opportunity that you've given me, Kathleen. Oh, you're so welcome. And so everybody listening, here's the piece. Like, and we said this earlier, but I really want to just emphasize this, is that there are some of us that think about dreaming. We sit back and we say, what would it be like if I could create something? Or I want to figure out what my purpose was. Very much the space that Brenda, and, and I've been there too, but that Brenda stated earlier in the show about how she was really understanding what her purpose was and waiting for it to be presented in front of her, really surrendering to that space. So there are the people that are in the waiting space. Then there are the people that see it. It's right in front of them. And then there are the people that say yes to it. They say, yes, I see it and I'm moving forward. And then there are the people that are in committed action and they create these incredible experiences for others and it lights them up and it lights the people in front of them up. And that is what we get to create here. That's what this show is all about. It's really about identifying what, what lights people up so much that they then go take that torch in them and they light others up. And they don't have to be right in front of us. Like in this case, Brenda is lighting people up in Ghana all the way across the world. And we get to light them up. And for us, the reason I got connected to Brenda wasn't because we ran into each other in the same town that we live in. It was a lady in North Carolina who directed to me, connected me with my friend in Canada who said, hey, there's this lady in your town that's doing something pretty cool. So, and and what, what Brenda and I know is we both have a great friend that's in common of the two of us. That had I run into her and asked this, could have also made that connection. So what if, what if exactly what we've been asking for, praying for, and just really, what, what if it's already there? What if it's already exactly. there and we're just one connection away? How beautiful is that? Yeah. So Brenda, you and I, we were one connection away. And of course, I made it hard by putting a few other connections in there. But how beautiful that we, we found this. And for you, seeing that path, knowing that David was going to be the one that was calling forward and then realizing, oh, it's not David. David was just the yeah. conduit. Yeah. And so that's the piece for all of you guys today. I encourage you to think about is what is that? What does surrender look like? What is that space right in front of you? It's just there. You can almost feel it. And it gets to light you up. So the things that you're committed to light you up so much that you then get to light other people up. So, guys, you have been listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reese, and this show is every single Monday live, or you can listen to it on podcast. But thank you so much, and tune in next week. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to Profit Launch with Kathleen Reese. Kathleen Reese will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Would you like to be on the show, or do you have a show idea? Go to KathleenReason.com forward slash radio. Have a great week.